Sorry to cut your testimony off. <laughs> Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would speak to us mightily by the power of your word and spirit. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to understand. Give us minds to believe. But also give us the will to obey. Amen. I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. It's a story about a man who, in the ancient world, was so excited because he had just gotten married and they were living at his wife's parents' house. His wife had become pregnant. He had just obtained the job of his dreams and he had spent the previous year saving money for something very special. And what he was saving money for was to build a new home for his new family. He had looked through the Zillow of the ancient world, whatever it was. He looked at all kinds of properties and he looked at all kinds of geological reports and he found the perfect area and he was walking through that area every day and driving through that area every day looking for the perfect plot of land and he had finally found the perfect plot of land and, and he d d discovered what the, the price was of that plot of land and he had saved just that amount of money and he was now ready. And he goes to the owner of that land and he purchases the land and now he's standing on the land and he's full of excitement, but he's also full of dread. He's full of excitement because he's full of dread and he's full of dread because he understands that there's a long process ahead of him. He's full of joy because he already possesses the land, but he's full of dread because there's a process that must happen before the land becomes a home for his family. He longs not just to own the land, but he longs for the land to become a home for his family. And he realizes, he looks, and the ground looks fairly flat, and the ground looks fairly stable, and he's walking on the land and stomping it underfoot to try to figure out how stable it is. Is it stable enough to build a house here? But he knows not to be fooled by what he sees on the surface of the land. He knows that in this area, the land looks very stable, but it's not very stable. And so he knows that in order to actually build a house that is going to last for many years to come for his family, he's going to have to dig. Yeah. And he's going to have to dig a foundation. Yeah. And he's going to have to dig until he hits what's called bedrock. And so what he does is he gets his little pick and and he goes and he marks off the four corners of the land, uh, the, the four corners of where his house is going to be. And he begins to kind of dig just a, a small trench to kind of mark off the area. And then he gets a shovel and he just starts digging. Day after day, he digs and he digs and he digs. And he goes home at night to his wife and to his new baby that's growing in her womb. And he kisses her on the cheek and says hello to his in-laws. And they feed him. And he's so happy but so tired because digging is hard work. Digging is hard work, and as he digs, first thing he has to dig through is the dirt. That's what's on the surface, is the dirt. And there's a lot of dirt. Yeah. A lot of dirt. But as he begins to dig down through the dirt, he starts to hit rocks. Yeah. And there's some big rocks, and there's small rocks. And there's pebbles, and stones, and all kinds of rocks. And he starts to throw the rocks in a pile off to the side. He's got to get them out of his foundation. Yeah. And these rocks are solid, but they're not the foundation. And so he starts throwing them to the side and he's got a big pile of rocks off to the side. But as he gets beneath the rocks, he starts coming to the roots. 
and he's got to dig through roots. And those are the hardest things to dig through because those roots are solid and those roots are from things that are growing far away. And so as he's digging, he digs through the dirt. That's pretty easy. The rocks, that's a little bit more difficult. But when he gets down to the roots, that's where the hard work begins to, to transpire. And, and now he's, it's in the sweat and he's often tempted to give up. But it's the joy of seeing and believing for the house that he's going to build, not just for himself, but for his family, that causes him to continue to work. And at a certain point, all of a sudden, he swings the pick. And underneath just this bottom layer of soil, he hears a clank. And when he pushes the dirt out of the way, what he sees is limestone. You see, in that particular area, he has to dig down seven feet to get down to the limestone. And once he gets to the limestone, he hits the bedrock. Now he's excited. He's like, this is it. He knows he's gone down to the depth. Now all he has to do is just fill out this entire area, dig it all the way down to the depth. And now he can begin to build his house on a solid foundation. Jesus gets to the end of his Sermon on the Mount, and in Matthew chapter 7, he ends this great sermon with these words. Matthew 7, 24, he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Yeah, yeah. Verse 26, he says, but if anyone hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, yeah. I will liken him to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Jesus says the wise man is the person who hears these words of mine and does them. And that man is the man who does not build his house on the sand. He digs down through the dirt and through the rocks and through the roots until he gets to the bedrock and then he builds his house. That's the man who hears the words that I speak and does them. But the man who hears them and does not do them is like a foolish man who just sees sand. He's like, hey, I want a house by the beach. This is cool. Ooh, I want to wake up and put my feet in the sand. This is nice. This is cool. And he builds a house on the sand, and he gets done with it in like a week. And he moves his family into the house and says, look what a beautiful house we have. And it's so cool because we're by the beach and we can feel the breeze of the ocean coming through our house. And in the morning, you just slip out of bed and stick your feet in the sand. Ooh, it's so cool. You can wake up and go surfing or go swimming or whatever you like to do in the water. Just skip rocks on the water because we live right by the beach. What a privilege it is. It's real cool until the rain comes down until the storm comes, until the wind starts to blow and beat against your house. And he says, when the rain came down and the winds blew and beat against that house, it fell with a great crash. I have seen so many super excited believers become unexcited believers because of a little rain and then become 
lukewarm believers because of a little wind and then become compromising believers because of a little flood and then become unbelievers as quickly as they became believers because their house looked good, but it had no foundation. My brother preached a sermon last week at his church in Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C., where he's the pastor, Christ Our Shepherd Church in Washington, D.C., and I listened to that message, and I wept because my brother talked about an ordeal that he went through over the last year, and he honed in on an experience he had in the summer, but the ordeal that he had over the last year, a flood came through and flooded the entire lower level of his house. The water was more than a foot off the floor. And there was no way to get it out. And so he had to move his family out of the home. And then they had to have contractors come in and suck out the water and then tear up all the floors. And he talked about how when they started to take up the floors, they found wood rot. They found holes in the foundation. They found all kinds of problems that needed to be fixed. And and every time he got a call from his contractors, his heart was beating fast because he knew it was going to be a big problem that was going to cost more money. But the pinnacle of it was... When they got to the back of the house and they removed the floors, the structural engineer called him almost trembling. And the structural engineer says, the people who owned the house before you built an addition to the house, three levels high, with no foundation. There's no slab. There's no rock. They didn't build it on the rock. They built it on the sand. And the wood that's at the bottom that's holding up the entire structure is rotten and it's fallen apart. And the man said, it's a good thing this flood happened because you never would have discovered that your house had no foundation. If you and your family would have went to the third floor at the back of your house and jumped real good, the whole house could have toppled over. You see, sometimes God sends a flood to wash you out of your house to show you that there's no foundation. Sometimes he sends a flood because he sees an earthquake coming and the earthquake will topple your house. So he sends a flood to expose the fact that in a certain area of your walk with him, you've got no foundation and he gives you an opportunity to fix the foundation before the earthquake comes. And so Jesus says, he who does these words of mine, he who hears these sayings of mine and does them. This is what it means to dig a foundation. you got to hear these sayings of mine and do them. The NIV says to put them into practice. It's it's not that simple. It just sounds like you just got to, you know, just put it into practice. It's got to be practical. No, 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 no. It's deeper than that. The word poiamen in the Greek, you got to hear them and you got to do them. You got to make, it literally means to make. When God said, let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. That's the the same word. The Greek translation of that Hebrew word is what Jesus uses when he says, he who hears these words of mine and makes them or does them or works them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. What Jesus is literally saying is that you got to hear his words and then you got to go home and dig. You got to hear his words and then you got to go home and dig until you hit bedrock. You got to hear his words and then you got to go home and dig until you see, he says, love your neighbor 
as you love yourself. And you say, amen, 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 Jesus, amen. That's what most believers do. We think if we said amen and we agreed, we've done it. Until somebody cuts you off on the freeway. Until your wife snaps at you. Until your kid is off the hook. Until you encounter some injustice on your job. And now all of a sudden I discover a place in my life where I cannot love my neighbor as I love myself, where I snap back to my old way, where suddenly I react as if I don't know Jesus is all at all, as if I've never heard him, as if he hasn't come into my heart and saved me, even though he has come into my heart and saved me. But at this moment, I'm acting like he hasn't. And then I just say something like, well, you know, all of us have our stuff. You know, God knows my heart. God knows my heart. The Lord knows that I still got, he's still working on me. Yeah, but you ain't working on it. Jesus says, you got to hear my words and then do them. And at the very place where you discover that you are unable to do them, that's where you begin to dig. You see, if you want to do, you got to dig. If you want to do, you got to dig. Look at the, you look at the neighbor and say, if you want to do, you got to dig. You need to hear the words of Jesus and go home and begin to dig out your foundation. And you can't do that during the service. And the fact that most believers live on shaky sand is in the fact that the extent of most believers' spiritual lives is what happens between 11 and 1230 on Sunday morning. And you call it a personal walk with Christ, but you only have one corporate expression of it for an hour every Sunday. You got to go home and dig. Which means I got to go home and ask myself before the Lord, why couldn't I love my neighbor in that moment? Lord, would you help me to get to the bottom of why I can't seem to respond lovingly to my wife when she responds this way? Can you help me understand why I seem to lose my joy when this thing happens to me? Why I feel like punching somebody in the face whenever somebody says something like this? Why I just feel that F-bomb just forming on my lips and sometimes I'm able to stop it and sometimes I'm not. And when you begin to dig, the first thing you got to dig through is the dirt. Remember, that's the first thing that the farmer hits is dirt. And dirt equals impurities. The first thing you got got to dig through are your impurities. And what tends to happen with most believers is that you hear the word, you go, amen, I'm on fire. I got Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And then you walk out of the church and somebody says or does something that triggers your dirt. And the first thing you do is forget everything that was said on Sunday. You say, well, I guess I wasn't as saved as I thought I was. I guess it wasn't real. I'll try again next week. And you just live in your dirt for the rest of the week. Leonard Ravenhill said, the praying man stops sinning. But the sinning man stops praying. The praying man stops sinning. 
but the sinning man stops praying. Do you hear what he said? Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Does sin stop you from praying? Or does praying stop you from sinning? The answer to that question is, whichever you persist in for the longest. Did you hear that? If your prayers can last 10 minutes longer than your sin, you will overcome your sin. Did you hear that? If your prayers can last 10 minutes longer than your sin, your prayers will overcome your sin. Most people stop praying because they caught themselves sinning. When what you really should be saying is, I caught myself sinning, I'm going to up my praying. Because eventually my praying will overtake my sinning. And we think it's supposed to happen in one moment. You come to church, you receive Jesus, you get slapped with the Holy Ghost, you go home and no more sin in your life. No, you got to dig through all that dirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're supposed to have dirt. You were a sinner before Jesus came. Did you forget that? <laughs> Sinners have sin in their life. I don't understand why we're so, you know, su- surprised when a believer is less than perfect. Don't be ashamed of it. Just keep digging. Just make it. Just listen. Shame is the least profitable response to sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing profitable about shame. But you know what's better than shame? Resolve. Yeah. I'm going to dig through this. Amen. I'm not going to accept this. I'm not going to make a treaty with it. I'm going to dig through this. I'm just going to keep digging. I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep meditating on scripture. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep coming to church. Because that's what happens. Folks, stop coming to church. Because they're ashamed. No, you need church more. That's like, I don't go to the doctor anymore. Why? Because I'm too sick. I'm ashamed to go to the doctor when I'm sick. I don't go to the gym anymore. Why? Because I'm too fat. I'm just ashamed. What? Keep digging. There's going to be a lot of dirt. That's okay. And matter of fact, there's more dirt than you know. You think you know all your dirt? You don't know the beginning of it. Maybe you only know the beginning of it. You only see the surface dirt. (laughs) You start digging down. You start discovering more dirt. Dirt that you didn't even know you had. I realized, you know, I started praying about a month ago. I had this burden came over me. Lord, teach me to love my wife. Teach me to love her the way Christ loves the church. Help me, Lord. And do you know what the first thing the Lord revealed to me was? how bad my attitude was toward her. I caught myself in her presence with a bad attitude. And I'm like, oh, do I do this all the time? I think so. Well, how would she, how would she, you know, how would I feel if my wife had that attitude towards me all the time? All of a sudden I became aware that there was a whole strata of dirt in my life. I didn't even know was there. Wow. One of the most beautiful things God can do to you is reveal your dirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But guess what? When you start digging through the dirt, the next thing you hit are the rocks. Yeah. The dirt is your insecurity. I'm sorry. The dirt is your impurities. The rocks equal your instabilities. Yeah. Instabilities. What do I mean by instabilities? Really, they're false stabilities. Things that appear stable because rock, this is a rock. Yeah. Build my house on the rock. And the first time you hit a rock, you'll be like, this is it. But a wise builder knows the difference between a rock and bedrock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when a wise builder hits a rock, he throws it out. I'm going to keep going till I hit bedrock. Yeah, 
but an unwise builder finds security and stability in things that ultimately are unstable. You know, like money. Because, man, if I just had a little more money, can I get a witness? If I just had a little more money, and I know exactly how much I need. You know, earlier this year, the beginning of this year, I was crying out, weeping to the Lord. Lord, I need exactly this much more money. Exactly this much. If I just had this much more money, Lord, please, we need this much more money. I was literally weeping and crying out to the Lord. And do you know the Lord blessed me with exactly that much more money per month? Exactly. It, and it came out of nowhere. I wasn't even, I had no, and I was trying 27 different things to find it, and the Lord just brought it to me. It knocked on my door. Yeah. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah. And I, I've been thankful and completely satisfied till now, right? Wrong. <laughs> because once I got exactly that much more money, then I realized I need exactly that much more money. <laughs> And I started immediately, oh, God, I need to, if you just give me this much, oh, God, please. You're trying to build your house on rocks. There is no number. There is no number. Do you know, I, you know, I, I, on, in, you, in the crypto world, I'm cryptogenic. You guys know that, right? YouTube. Um, I, I had a client, I had a client, a crypto client, and he had a huge portfolio but he had no peace, a huge portfolio, but no joy. I immediately said to him, why do you need me? You do realize that your portfolio is like more than 10x mine. Like you, you, you won. <laughs> I'm here. It's like, what do I do? I'm like, take a nap. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Go to the beach, sip mint juleps. You've done it. But it's just a rock. Yeah. It's just a rock. There's no amount. There's no amount of money, there's no amount of fame, there's no amount of power, there's no amount of success, there's no amount of influence, there's no amount of, of, of women or men, yeah. love from the world, from people. Yeah. Nothing can give you security in this world. It's all shaking, sinking sand. It's all just rocks. And the rocks seem solid, but it's not in a firm place. And rocks move around because the soil underneath it moves around. Yeah. The wise believer says, I'm not building my life on that. Throw that money out there. I'm not building my life on that. Throw that fame over there. I'm not building my life on that. Throw that success over there. I'm not building my life on that. Throw that influence over there. Money, sex, power. Throw those rocks out. I'm not building my life on those things. Yes, the Lord may bless me with those things, but I got to get to the foundation first. I got to find the foundation first. Come on, somebody. False securities, instability, false stability, instability. You can't build your life on instability. The dirt are the impurities. The rocks are the instabilities. The roots are the insecurities. The dirt is easy. The dirt is really easy, guys. You just shovel it out. Shovel it out. It comes right up. The rocks, they're a little bit harder. Some of them are heavy. You've got to pick them up and throw them out. Yeah. You know, rid yourselves of the love of money. I mean, just throw that out. You know, just throw that out. But the roots, yeah. when you get down to the roots, guys, that's where the hard work begins. Yeah. The roots are your insecurities. And when I say that the roots are your insecurities, I mean that the roots are the place 
where it all began. The root, when you find the root, you've discovered why I need so much money and I can never get enough. Why I need so many women and I'm, I'm never satisfied with them. Why I was in love with her till she married me and then all of a sudden I didn't like her anymore. Don't say preach, brother. Your wife's sitting right next to you. He loves, he likes, no, because I know this brother. He, he not only loves his wife, he likes his wife. <laughs> I just wanted to make that clear in the atmosphere because people were looking over like. <laughs> I'm telling the truth. Because if you're just dealing with the impurities and never get down to the roots, you're fighting the symptoms and you never discover the sickness. You're patching cracks in the wall, but you never get down to the foundation that's sliding. Cutting through the roots is hard. Because every time you think, I found the root, you don't know how deep that root goes. And you start digging down to find, you got to find the bottom of the root to get rid of the whole root. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, fearing lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble and by it many become defiled in Hebrews chapter 12. It's the root. The root is the historic trauma that goes all the way back to your childhood that makes you do the things that you do. That makes you respond to the things that you respond to the way you respond to them. That makes you act the way you act when you don't want to act the way you act. That makes you fear what you fear. The historic trauma. Listen, doing the commands of Jesus, doing the words of Jesus will force you to get down to the root. Why can't I love my neighbor? It's not just because of these impurities. It's not just because of these instabilities. It's because of these insecurities that go all the way down to the root. And so if I don't dig down deep enough to let Jesus get down to the roots, get down to that deep trauma in my life, I never hit bedrock. And when this man hit the roots, he said, I'm not going to stop until I dig up all the roots. Yeah. I'm not going to stop until I've dealt with the roots. And when he had dealt with the roots and he had dealt with the rocks and he had dealt with the dirt, he had cleared out this entire place and all he could see was the bedrock, the limestone. He rejoiced. He hadn't built anything up. The only thing he had done was dug down. Jesus says, that's the wise man. That's the wise man. That's the wise man. He's going to build something that lasts. He's going to build a Christian faith that lasts the tests of time. It don't matter what comes, come hell or hot water, he's going to persevere to the end. There's a reward waiting for that man or that woman. There's a reward waiting in heaven. A well-done, good and faithful servant is awaiting that man or, or that woman because they're building something that will last. There's no flood that can topple the house that this person is building. Now, we're not done. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. I don't know. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. In Matthew chapter 16. No, Matthew chapter 16, not 7. Take it down. I'll just tell you what it says. Matthew 16. Jesus is in a city called Caesarea Philippi. He's with his disciples. He asks them this question. Who do men say that I am? Some say you're Elias. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah. Some you're the prophet. He says, well, who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? Simon, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, blessed are you, Simon, son of John. Actually, verse 17. 
Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say that you are Peter. The word Peter in Greek, Petros, which means the rock. And upon this rock, Petra, this bedrock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. These are the only two places in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus uses this word Petra, rock. Matthew 7, 24 and 25 through 26, 27. And Matthew 16, 18. Upon this rock, I will build my church. The wise man builds his house on the rock. Upon this rock, this bedrock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what Jesus was saying to Peter? Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because you've walked with me long enough to allow me to get down through the dirt, the rocks, and the roots of your life. You just hit bedrock. You just hit bedrock. Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because we just hit bedrock in your life. Now I can build my church. You've walked with me long enough to deal with the dirt, the rocks, and the roots. Now you've hit bedrock. And what's the sign that you've hit bedrock? The revelation of who Jesus is. He had walked with him all this time, but it never dawned on him. The full reality of who Jesus is had not been revealed to him yet. But once he got to the place where suddenly he could get revelation from heaven and God could speak to him and reveal the identity of Jesus, suddenly Jesus becomes real to him at that moment in a way he had never become real. He was this obscure figure that he was walking with, or he was a good teacher, or he was a miracle worker, or maybe a prophet. But in this moment, when he hit bedrock, what burst forth in his soul was a new revelation of who Jesus is. I'm going to keep digging until I can see Jesus more clearly. I'm going to keep digging until the revelation of who he is bursts forth in my heart. So you find yourself in a place where Jesus is this obscure guy who resides in the heavens to you. Where Jesus is this teacher or maybe he's master or maybe he's Lord and you know all about who he is, but the reality of who he is doesn't yet live in you. It doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It doesn't mean you're not saved. Peter was with Jesus all this time. He had said yes to the invitation to come follow him all this time. Didn't mean that Jesus wasn't working in his life. It just meant that he hadn't yet hit the place where God could reveal to him the fullness of who Jesus was. See, I, I see people walk away from Christ because they, well, I'm a fake Christian. It's just not real to me. I want it to be real, but it's just not there, and I'm just going to stop pretending. It's not pretending. Because a lot of the times when you're digging through the dirt and through the rocks and through the roots, you don't feel nothing. And you know, the, 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 the real spiritual saints will pretend that their entire life in Christ is nothing but glory. Clouds and angels, fire from heaven, bolts of lightning, angelic visitations, audible voices, antiphonal angelic choirs singing over me. And can I say to you that even the deepest Christian, the deepest real Christian, will from moment to moment experience glory. But in between glory and glory is a dark valley that you have to trudge through. 
And I'm, I'd be lying to you if I told you that my life is nothing but hallelujah. Matter of fact, most of the time I'm praying and I don't feel nothing. And I'm reading the scriptures and I don't feel nothing. And I'm meditating on the things of God and I don't feel nothing. And I'm singing the worship songs and I don't feel nothing. The only difference is I don't stop because I don't feel nothing. I don't quit because I don't feel nothing because I know that if I keep walking through this valley, there's another mountaintop waiting for me where God hits bedrock in another part of my life and says, now the revelation of who Jesus is is ready to break forth in your life. Come on, somebody. You got to keep digging. You got to keep digging. And you got to go home and dig. Digging is your homework. You see, most believers, they, they just are consumers. Come to church and give it to me. Why'd you leave your church? I wasn't being fed. I'm not being fed. I wasn't being fed. Babies get fed. You're being equipped, not fed. Equipped to go home and feed yourself. Equipped to go home and dig. Equipped to go home and dig a foundation. You're being educated, not fed. You're being taught how to connect with Jesus for yourself. I don't connect with Jesus on your behalf. I am not your high priest. Amen. Amen. Some of you right now are in a place where your house has just come crashing down, where a flood has come through and wiped away your house. Something in your life has been wiped away by a flood. My brother can look back on that flood and say it was the best thing that ever happened because you know what's happened now? They've dealt with the wood rot. They've dealt with the foundation issues. They've dealt with everything that was under the ground. And once the foundation was done, they started to build. And you know what my brother said? He said, you know what? Since we're fixing stuff, why don't we get a new kitchen redesigned in there? How about a different kind of flooring? Let's work on the layout here a little bit. Let's open it up. How about higher ceilings? How about a fireplace over here? And he redesigned his home. And you know what? His family just moved back into their, their home. And it feels like a brand new home. Thank God for the flood because I never would have had the house that I have now if it had not been for the flood. I never would have gotten down to the foundation if I hadn't been for the flood. And now, after the flood and after the work is done, we can jump all we want. The house is not coming down. The rain can come. The house is not coming down. Listen, God is setting you up. Hallelujah. Amen. But you got to remember that saying amen is not enough. Jesus said, you got to hear these words of mine and do them. James said it like this. Do not be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word. Do not be be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves is what he said. If you're hearers but not doers, you're deceiving yourself. You just come in here and go, ooh, that was good. Amen. I am blessed and highly favored. How are you deceiving yourself? Because you ain't going to do nothing when you get home. Self-deceit. You got to do it. But if you're going to do it, you got to dig. You got to dig. You got to dig. And you know what? We'll all dig together. It's one thing I'm going to say is nobody's going to be shamed in this place for how much dirt you get gets dug up out of your life. 
There's no shame. You're digging it out. I talked to somebody one time who manifested a demon in a church service. And I mean, screamed and yelled and cussed and threatened violence and, and foamed at the mouth and eyes rolled back in her head and all that. And the demon came out. And I talked to her. I'm like, how are you doing? She said, I'm doing great. I said, were you embarrassed? She goes, you know, all I knew is that it was coming out. (laughs) That's all I cared about is that it was coming out. I'm not ashamed of the dirt in my life because it's coming out. Not ashamed of the rocks because they're coming out. Not ashamed of the roots because they're coming out. You need to go home with a pick and shovel in your hand. You need to walk in the door with your pick and shovel and say, now it's time to dig. I don't care what it is that the enemy has been trying to do against me. It's coming out. You need to have that faith that I'm just going to stay a little bit longer. I'm going to pray a little bit longer. I'm going to dig. I'm going to dig. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today. I thank you that your word, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes that which you send it to accomplish. And I thank you, God, that there's a company of diggers coming out of this word. We're diggers and not gold diggers. We're bedrock diggers. We're bedrock diggers. We're going to be digging for bedrock this week. We're going to wake up in the morning and start digging. In the middle of the day, we're going to start digging. At night, we're going to dig. We're going to sleep and we're going to dig before we sleep. And we're going to sleep and there's going to be joy because we can see the house that you're building in us. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for the revelation of Jesus to break forth in our lives as you remove our dirt, as you remove our rocks, and as you remove our roots. Because you're a good, good father. That's what you do. You're a good, good father. That's what you do. Come on, worship team. You're a good, good father. I thank you. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. The worship team is going to lead us in one more song, and then we're going to close this out.